Welcome to another episode of your favorite competitive 40K show where we bring you the highlights of the weekend that was in Warhammer 40,000. I am Val Heffelfinger, a floating head of the FLGN, and this is 40K Stat Center. In case you don't know about us, each week our team will select the most interesting events taking place around the world and preview them on the Thursday show, which happens on Thursdays on the Frontline Gaming Network. Then, once the dust has settled and the results are in, 40K Stat Center will bring you the news. All right, so back again for let's call it pilot episode 2.1. Turns out the week before traveling to San Francisco to cover the BAO was a poor one to reboot a beloved show, but here we are again doing our best. A few things. We're still working out the visual element workflow, so for the time being, our viewers will also be our listeners. Secondly, a big shout out to Nick Dorich for his efforts so far. If there's one person to thank for the return of this show, 100% it's him. This is a guy who wrote shows and did research for shows that you've literally never heard or seen because I never recorded them from last summer. That's correct. Nick stuck around after creating shows that never got recorded. So thank you, Nick, for uh, being the fire that keeps this engine going. Let's see what's happening with the show itself. We're heading into what has traditionally been the busiest period of the 40K season, so we won't have a shortage of things to talk about. Given we're two weekends behind, this is going to be a longer catch-up episode, so for those of you who were craving more girth after the last one, well, here you go. From the weekend of May 21st, this episode will take us to Birmingham uh, in the uh, UK, the Mayhem GT in Maryland, and the Alamo GT in probably Texas. A week after that, we fly along with the whole FLGN crew to the Bay Area Open in San Francisco, knock on to Knoxville for the Rocky Top Rumble, and pop by Nottingham for the Goonhammer Open. Now, before we tip off, this show is made possible by an invisible army of tournament organizers, app developers, and goons. If you want to follow along to events live each weekend or look back on the details of past events, grab a subscription from our pals at bestcoastpairings.com. If you just want to skip to the end and chase that meta dragon, head to the newly renovated 40kstats.com where you can get the top four lists from every event and get all kinds of fascinating stats taken directly from the tournament results and the ITC Battles app itself. Finally, don't forget our friends at FrontlineGaming.org where not only can you find all sorts of hobby goodies for 15% off of MSRP, but you can also grab tickets to Frontline Gaming's Las Vegas Team Tournament. They just dropped, folks. After the first year's event, the powers that be have decided to adopt a WTC-style scoring and pairing system. If you don't understand what that means, that's okay. Just know that it's better if you're a 40K snob. So, everyone else, get your matchups all tuned up because every single point will matter. Also, check out this package. For $240 per team member, you're going to cover two rooms in the venue, with all the fees included there, event tickets for the team, bucket of beers that's a whole bucket of beers and i think this is the coolest part an event exclusive custom objective marker set for each team member with your team's logo on them it saves you about 200 bucks but i mean everyone having their own custom team logos that'll go with your custom team shirts or whatever the heck you put together seems real great if you are interested in doing that i'd really appreciate it if you use the link that's included either at the bottom of this youtube video or in the show notes of the podcast if you do it through there, FLG is going to kick back to the Frontline Gaming Network uh, a little bit of kitty for our efforts spreading the good word. So please, use that link if you're going to go buy some tickets. That all said, why don't we hit up the first event. Tournament news. 
Coming to you from War Games Live and the streaming caravan comes the Alamo GT in San Antonio Tejas. This event ran with 116 players to make it the biggest U.S. event that weekend and played six games over two days. Would the Alamo GT remember that Tyranids and Craftworld Eldar are supposed to take the top spots at the podium? The Tyranids showed up to consume biomass while the Craftworld Eldar actually took a backseat to the more recently nerfed Harlequin section of the Craftworld book. Finishing at the top spot in this event was Bryce Chapman running Light Harlequins, and our very own Tech Priest correspondent, Dickie, was able to connect with Bryce for a nice little interview. Let's hear what Bryce had to say about the event and his list. So I run, uh, I run five characters. I got the uh, Shadows here. I actually give him the Crescendo Relic after the Harlequin nerf. I was, I didn't know... I kind of took him away from being like that super buffy character trying to keep the army alive into being a little bit more of a i don't just kind of a back supporting role but i like him because the six up feel no pain i don't i don't want to lose him for that plus having that one deny is great i'm playing a few people you know they like to take that uh interrogation and it's nice to have that one deny or if someone does like a ritual or something in the middle it's nice to have that deny to help deny secondaries uh, and then I've got two, a troop master who the, the whole typical troop master with the new Harlequin's book, the Kegrach's Rose, Foot in the Future. So super advancey, super killy. I'm probably a little too aggressive with him. I, I got him killed in a couple of games early, and I was like, "Dang it, why did I do that?" Um, ABC, buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he does it. He does it every time. When you got that plus six inches to your charge, it's like, I'm just going to run across the table. Oh, now I'm by myself. Whoops. <laughs> so any uh, any highlights of the event? Um, you know, man, I I, uh, I I played a dude for the first time. I've seen him at a few events. Uh, Russell, it's the first. Russell Tasson, I think, was his last name. I played him on stream the first game today. And uh, man, we just we just clicked. He's a he was ex ranger. I was ex airborne. We just clicked real well. Real good guy. And I just had a phenomenal game against him. And we, we just laughed and played the whole time. So, I mean, I, I think that was probably just probably one of the best games of forty k I've had in recently. Just because of our, our personalities, just clicked so well. We have a similar background, and so it was just a really, really relaxing game. Nice. Um... So you clearly you won the event, but uh, do you have any list changes that you're looking to make after this one? Man, I uh, I so I took the exact same list to Dallas Open. I made a few boo boos at Dallas Open, and it ended up costing me best in faction hard plans and all this. And I was really bumping on changing my list for this event, but I, I sat down. I was like, you know, I, I played the game. I played the list eight times at Dallas, and I was like, I'm just going to play the exact same list. I know it better don't make those same mistakes. <laughs> so I was in my head the whole whole turn. I was like, okay, so the mistakes I made with these units, don't make those mistakes again. And uh, I didn't make those mistakes this time. And, and it really showed out how much better the list can perform. So I think uh, I go on, I'm heading to War Games Con in two weeks and I'm taking the exact same list. With Bryce locking down the top spot, the other 6-0 finisher was Jason Manning, who ran not Leviathan Tyranids? Oh, cool. It's High Fleet Behemoth Tyranids. This list includes a little bit of everything, with a block of 235-point Tyranid Warriors being the largest points investment, along with a who's who of Tyranid good stuff. This good stuff was good enough for 6-0 and a top finish, if it weren't for those tricksy clowns. 
elsewhere. Matthew L.A. finished 5-1, taking 5th place with the Chaos Space Marine powerhouse of Thousand Sons. He brought the Cult of Duplicity along with an auxiliary unit of Chaos War Dogs. Jeff Patak took Grey Knights to a 5-1 finish, which was good for 10th place. His take on the Grey Knights included multiple librarians stacked with bonuses, and then a little bit of everything else. The list provides flexibility for various opponents, whether they bring lots of single-wound clowns and other pointy-eared factions. The list also includes a couple of Dread Knights to smash down the big bugs that have taken over the meta. Final shout-out goes to the People's Champ, William Ivy. He finished 4-2, and two and his army still stands. That's right, it's Cadia. It's Astra Militarum. It's the much-maligned and forgotten on-your-shelf Imperial Guard. How did he do it? Infantry squads with all the cool toys, backed by tank commanders, mana core, scions, and quad launcher batteries. To be honest, we don't know how he did it either, but we love to see it. Well done, William. Well, not at the top of the podium, your list stared into the tyrannid abyss, laughed at the laughing god, and raised your fist in triumph for most of the weekend. A fitting last stand for a tournament named after the Alamo. Tournament news. Welcome to Birmingham. No, not Alabama the probably original Birmingham, over in the United Kingdom. This event ran five rounds before splitting off into a top four to crown a tried and true winner. Taking the top four, the event had, here we go, High Fleet Leviathan, High Fleet Leviathan, High Fleet Leviathan, and wait for it, True Kari. <laughs> you totally thought I was going to say High Fleet Leviathan. In the end, David Gaylord, and his High Fleet Leviathan took the crown for the event due to his use of multiple large blocks of Tyranid Warriors that followed the death trail caused by double harpies. Wait, what's that? Adam Camilleri predicted on the Thursday show that David would win the event due to the unique strength of his Tyranid list? Great pick, Adam. Other players in that top cut included Danny Evison and Nathan Whitbread, both contributing to the hive mind superiority. Meanwhile, Julio Cesar Germandi brought three patrols with his Drakari raiding force, while Drakari have been lacking recently on faction podiums, they show they can still bring the power from pain in the hands of the right general. Fueled by Drazar, Rax, and Grotesques, this list was able to tank some wounds and get into combat with the lesser factions en route to a place in the top four. Several players just missed the top cut but still finished with a 5-0 record. That includes Ewan Bedford Cooper and Edward Fawcett that both ran Tyranids, along with Conrad Barkowitz and Simon Edwards that both brought Eldari. Remember hearing that the UK loves Iron Hand successor chapters a few months ago? They might be back in the hands of Nassim Fushain, who ran with a vanguard of three Redemptor Dreadnoughts and two Vanguard Vet squads. Devastators joined the fray with multi-melters and grav cannons in a drop pod to help mitigate the Armor of Contempt meta. Tournament news. North Carolina! You don't know North Carolina? It's not only the home of his airness, the birthplace of Pepsi-Cola and powered flight, but also the Mayhem GT in Mebane, or perhaps Mebane. I'm not sure. I'm not from there. This event lasted five rounds over two days and was the first of its kind. It used player-placed terrain and a mix of ruins, woods, and craters. This gauntlet ran through abandoned sanctuaries. They secured missing artifacts. They scried data salvage, secured objectives, and finally explored Death and Zeal in round five. As noted on the FLGN's Thursday show last week, the event had an amazing spread with nine Tyranids, eight Azurani, and multiple factions with five players. In an event with 76 players at the start of Saturday, it appears that this may have been a balanced meta in the American Southeast. Well, how did it turn out? As predicted on the Thursday show, none other than 
the Paul Murphy. Michael Walsh took the crown as the top-scoring player with a 5-0 record at the event. Mike ran a battalion of Bloody Rose Sisters with a balanced mix of six Sisters Repentia, Retributor Squads, Morvenval, and others. Mike was effectively able to trade up with his opponents through five rounds with 84 points in round four versus Tyranids as his lowest score. Congrats to Mike for bringing the Sisters of Battle back to the podium of a GT-level event and perhaps offering us a little foreshadowing of what was soon to come. Elsewhere in the event, Mike Twitchell brought out Chaos Knights for a spin being the only other player to finish 5-0. What did he bring? Well, it was only War Dogs from the House of Extrix. The War Dogs came out to hunt in style. Alex Ramsey finished without a loss with four wins and a tie, running Hail of Doom and Masterful Shots Eldar. The Tyranids, of course, were still there lurking in the depths, and Frank Viret came in fifth as the top bug, with his only loss coming in round four versus the eventual winner, Mike Walsh. Frank had a strong showing at FLG's Cherokee Open, running Crusher Stampede, and he continues his accumulation of biomass in the southeast with this run. Alexis Put and Steven Soroka took sixth and seventh, running High Fleet Behemoth and High Fleet Leviathan. Since it can't all be Bugs, Eldar, and Knights, let's give a few other shout-outs. Thomas Robichaud did only one thing wrong, dropping a game in round two, but winning all four other games with his Cult of Duplicity Thousand Sons. And finally, wait, is that a Salamanders list? Tom Franceschine finished 3-1-1 one, one with a battalion of Salamanders that included only Primaris units, aside from a single attack bike. Fueled by Eradicators and Flamestorm Gauntlets, Tom fulfilled his oaths of moment for the weekend... And that's it for the Mayhem GT. Tournament news. Next, let's fast forward to more recent history, to the granddaddy of them all, at least when it comes to frontline gaming and ITC events. It's the Bay Area Open. Now, yes, this was not the largest event of the weekend, and no, not every single crazy awesome player was there, but it had an incredible field of engaging sportsmanlike characters, and you can catch all of the action on the FLGN, Frontline Gaming Network, on YouTube, and for a certain period of time, the VODs will also be available on Twitch. So go check them out. You'll hear the, uh, the talents of Adam Camilleri and Andrew Dickinger, were our, our shoutcasters, and even me, occasionally appearing on screen, doing interviews and trying to keep my feet out of my mouth. Now, for the event itself, 140 players battled across three days with a top eight cut occurring on Sunday, and it was kind of extra interesting because... With 140 players, it meant that really only two players wound up undefeated. So one loss did not necessarily mean you were out of the running. After day two, there was a surprise faction in the lead, but no one could doubt the player. Steven Box of Vanguard Tactics, fresh off a How to Play 40k the Right Way seminar, was the clubhouse leader at a perfect 6-0 record. Steven's list included many of the Blood Angels staples, including character support and three squads of Sanguinary Guard, but he set the internet ablaze not only with his choice of shorts, but also his choice of assault centurions. Considered to be an overpriced and inefficient unit that lacks the core keyword, maybe Steven knew something the rest of us didn't. Nipping at his very fit heels was Paul McKelvey. Now, that's a name we haven't heard in a while, but Paul is a longtime West Coast veteran, former ITC champion, in fact, the first one, and one of the co-founders of Best Coast Pairings. Paul fought his way into a strong finish thanks to a heavy mix of crew and crisis suits. Of course, by the end of day two, only eight players would advance to the top cut, and that meant that a few top players and flavorful lists would be held out of Sunday. 
To the relief of all those signed up for his painting seminar, Israel Sanchez and his Tau Empire went 5-1 and one and was the first player to miss the cut. Aurelio Carrera finished 5-1 and one with a house herpetrix list that dropped game one and went streaking to barely miss the cut. Max Schwarzer rocked some gray nights to 5-1 and one, and Tyler Bortel finished 5-1 and one with his Tyranids, starting 5-0 and oh before dropping round six to Stephen Box's dastardly blood angels. Now, let's get to the top eight. Three Tyranids, one Sisters of Battle, one Blood Angels, two Tau, and one Chaos Knights player. Adam Camilleri had called this the weekend of, quote, Nids gonna win. However, however, only one Nid player would advance to the semifinals, M Michael Costello, who brought a cheeky High Fleet Hydra list with the second best female unit in 40k, the Turvagon. Also joining in the semis were Paul McKelvey's Tau and Stephen Box's Blood Angels, along with Jesse Sell's Bloody Rose Adeptus Sororitas. Once the semis were settled, the championship match came down to Sisters of Battle versus Tyranids, and in the end, the Acts of Faith were enough to hold off the Bug Menace. This list featured the dynamic duo of Saint Celestine and Morvan Val, an actual unit of Paragon Warsuits, and a little bit of Sisters' good stuff from Zephyrim and Seraphim to even Mortifiers. Let's hear what Jesse had to say to yours truly moments after winning the event. Jesse, congratulations. Thank you very much. BAO champion. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, I think something that, that the, the, the audience might have noticed was that there, there was some hot dice out there today. Yeah. You were throwing, you were throwing some rocks. My, my miracle dice in particular carried the day. I think there were a few saves. At some point, I needed like all fives, and I made all fives but one. Uh, that was disgusting. Um, so yeah, I needed it. I needed it really bad because I was on the ropes for most of that fight. He did such an amazing job yeah. of blocking me out. I couldn't use most of my tools for. My Huge props to him. His, his movement was pretty much impeccable. Uh, also, just a stand-up guy. Any any of these uh, these battle nuns uh, like stick out to you as like as like a unit that like was certainly optimal. Oh man, in this matchup, those Repentia killing the Carnifex was unexpected, and more Repentia killed a Death Leaper. Uh, that was pretty unbelievable. I couldn't kill that Carnifex to save my life with everything I threw at it. So yeah, it's got to be Repentia. Repentia take it, and I would say the game before that, the Repentia killed the Centurions, they killed uh, Sanguinary Guard too, so yeah, Repentia throughout the whole weekend, they're just disturbing, and then Bloody Rose gives them just that little extra oomph. For for you, like looking back on the tournament, even this game, I mean, you know, back to back, like slobber knockers. Yes. You know, maybe what, what what's something that stands out uh, to you uh, over the course of the tournament? Uh, generally, this was one of the most fun tournaments I've ever had. Um, the matches were great. Every opponent I had was just a super ridiculously nice person. The list I played is more fun than I've had playing 40k in a long time. It's just. It does what it wants to do and, and is an absolute blunder. So that's that's my standouts. My big thing right now is just I, I'm over the moon for winning. The last person to win this was, was Jeff uh, Robinson, who passed away. and one of my best friends in the area. We played every week, uh, every Wednesday. We were streamed together. So to have my name on there next to his, and he was the last person to get it. I, I can't even express it. That, that's my takeaway from this tournament is just doing it, doing it for him. It was awesome. Tournament news. We head now to Tennessee, where Joey Knoxville from War Games Live streamed the Rocky Top Rumble. Here, 111 players battled over eight rounds in three days. Once again, Adam Camilleri expected a Nids Gonna Win kind of weekend. Live during the Thursday show, old man Brad, Brad Chester himself, contacted the host to shame them for not reviewing his list. Well, spoiler alert, Brad would have the last laugh as his Azurani pulled out a perfect 8-0 weekend, finishing everyone and everything 
that came his way, including, I'm sure, many glasses of wine. However, before we give Brad the last laugh, let's go over what happened over the three days of the event. On day one, Patrick McKenney's White Scars led the way at 3-0 and 295 points. Daniel Sansone and Stephen Crawley appear as the top hive minds, while Brad Chester isn't far behind with the fourth highest score. Austin Wingfield, one of the top players in the field, took a loss in round two, but was still fighting to get back into those top ranks with another three rounds on Saturday. After, four, after rounds four through six on Saturday, Brad Chester was the only player at 6-0. But not far behind were Joe McMillan and FLGN's own Seth Oster, who tied their round six matchup at 86 points. That means they both remained with five wins and one tie. Before we go into Sunday's results, a few top players or lists at 5-1 included Brandon Valet and his Bloody Rose sisters. Sisters players, are you noticing a trend with that? With what order to run? Mark Hertel, meanwhile, has a strong showing with Death Watch, perhaps maximizing some unit choices to battle the Xenos threats with Nid and Azurani appearing more and more. Seth Piper shows what Thousand Sons can do again. And then Matt Estrada brings another Tau faction to the top. That leads us to day three, where Brad Chester completes the sweep and finishes 8-0, never dropping below 90 points for any of his wins. Brad's list looks to maximize Hail of Doom and Masterful Shots, with many of the expected Asurani tech pieces and supercharged characters. However, would you have expected Corsair Void Weavers or Corsair Void Scarred? Do we even know if those are real units? Man, I wish Pete was here. This list mixes potent shooting, a few mean and lean melee threats, along with enough unit choices to simply overwhelm the opponent and provide numerous options for secondaries. Seemingly recovered from his Thursday show snub, here's Brad Chester with what he had to say about the event. It's old man Brad, the oldest man in 40K here, to tell you about the fact that I just went to Rocky Top, representing the Yard of War, managed to sneak by in a very nasty field of Tyranids, Tyranids, more Tyranids and Tau and people that didn't want to do me harm. So it was awful. But I prevailed in the end. My favorite matchup. They were all good. The Team Legion guys were fantastic to me, even though they kept trying to murder me, which seems bad. I had a great time against them. had a great game against Seth. had good times in the finals, doing things and stuff. Maybe uh, double fisting bottles of wine. Occasionally that might go awry, but it didn't this time. And I had a great time. I had appreciate everybody for running the event. It was amazing. Things were great. That about does it for our coverage of Rocky Top. Thanks, Brad, for those completely coherent and sobering words. Tournament news. Rounding out this festival of 40K, we arrive at our final destination. And what better a location than the home of Warhammer itself, Nottingham, UK. Yes, that's right, folks. It's the Goonhammer Open. The event was live streamed by some of the finest content creators the UK has to offer. With Mikey from Hellstorm Gaming taking the mic alongside Tom Layton, official roommate of Val Heffelfinger from the Honest Wargamers 40K Spice Center, a beautiful pairing that also featured some of the best hair in 40K, talking heads. I don't know, that's disputable. On to the actual event itself. 96 players came to Nottingham to engage in six glorious rounds of combat over two days. This format used Path to Victory for the purposes of pairing, and based on the number of players in rounds, it was likely that more than one player would remain undefeated at the end of round six. Based on players in attendance, this event was largely considered to be the shark tank of the 40k play that weekend. 
Drunk on an endless stream of ITC points provided by a resurgent tournament scene. UK players have gone from a group who totally don't care about ITC points and don't ever pay attention to the rankings to people who are absolutely dominating the rankings. Day one was a slobber knocker. Unsurprisingly, Manny Chima led the field at 3-0 with a pair of perfect 100-score games. Ben Allen brought joy to the battlefield with the pointy-eared troops of the Laughing God holding on to the second spot with Harlequins. Where are the Nids going to win, Bugs? Well, five of the 11 undefeated players after day one were playing Nids. David Gaylard and Innes Boss Baby Wilson showing as the scoring generals from the hive mind. But there was a surprise 3-0 player. Glenn Connolly brought the Drukari. It was a throwback of sorts with the classic mix of Cult of Strife, Prophets of Flesh, and Cabal of the Black Heart rating force. Sometimes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Cutting to the chase after the second day, the winner of the event was Manny Chima, taking the spot at 6-0 with the highest score. Manny's list was the current standard Hail of Doom and Masterful Shots with plenty of Eldar Bikes, Vipers, and Dire Avengers. Also, at 6-0, David Gaylard running a battalion of Leviathan Tyranids with multiple blocks of Tyranid Warriors, a strong choice indeed. Seven more players finished at 5-1, with three of those being Tau players. Is there something in the UK Tau scene going on that we don't know about? If so, we need to chat ASAP with Kyle Grundy, Brian Seep, and Will Whitaker. Joining those three Tau players were three Nids players. Innes Wilson reigns as top bug, while Matt Robertson's and Nathan Roberts fill out the rest. Shout out to Nathan Roberts for notching his 5-1 record with High Fleet Jormungandr. So at least it's a unique choice, as that was a unique reading. The other army at 5-1, the previously mentioned Ben Allen running Harlequins. That means the top nine spots at the event are all of the Xenos persuasion. You have to scroll down to spot number 15 to find Richard Smith, who finished 4-2 with a Chaos Faction, to get outside of those filthy, filthy Xenos. He ran a mix of Chaos Knights and a patrol of Slanesh Demons with multiple Keepers of Secrets. And the top Imperium showings belongs to Christopher Irvin, also going 4-2 with Blood Angels, finishing in 18th place. Christopher Absolute Angel Irvin, who plays for Team Scotland, ran a patrol and vanguard with the Sanguinor. Heck yeah. And holy heck, that just about does it for this show. We have taken you through two weeks Piping hot Warhams tournament results. I'm pretty tuckered out. Your ears are probably hurting from me speaking at this elevated tone. I'd like to thank you all for coming along on this journey through the pilot episode 2.1, maybe even 2.1 through 2.2, if you really want to call it that. Thank you for your patience as we work through the format changes and trying to find a way to make this show happen on time. <laughs> so far, not so much on time, but hey, we'll get it. Stick with us. Stay tuned. There's going to be so many more events. And as always, listen to the Thursday show on, that's right, Thursdays. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. What are you going to do? I'm so fucking awesome because of my list. Power, 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 gaming, but oh.